I'm looking forward to Pastor getting home. And uh, his, uh, his summer trips are always a little challenging for me. And, and um, I look forward to his safe return and to him getting back in the pulpit. Don't forget this coming Sunday evening, uh, Brother Nick Graves will be here. And he will preach the Sunday evening service for us. And Madge will be here with him. I'm not sure if Jacob is coming. I imagine he'll probably be here too. So uh, it'll be nice to see the family again. And, and um, nice to have them with us uh, on that evening. And it just so happens to be Mellow Jello Fellowship Night. So they timed it perfectly. Couldn't, uh, couldn't have timed it better. All right. Take your Bibles with me this evening. Let's go to James chapter 4. I'm hopeful for a short service tonight. Generally, when I prepare outlines for a message, um, I prepare them on these little half pages, and I usually fill eight pages, eight, eight surfaces with notes. And that'll normally be good for me for anywhere from 35 to 45 minutes. Well, tonight, I've, I've only got five pages of notes. So who knows how soon we'll get out of here. Or how late we'll get out of here, I don't know. It depends on how the Spirit leads as I'm preaching. So, But we'll be hopeful tonight. We may get out of here before 8 o'clock. And, uh, so let's, let's go to James chapter 4 together. And tonight I'm going to build my message around a question. Uh, and the question is this, are you in or out? Uh, real simple, but a straightforward question. Concerning your service to the Lord concerning your membership in Berea and concerning, concerning your, your behavior as a child of God. Are you in or are you out? And that's a pretty, pretty good question. Let's look at James chapter 4 together and we'll look at the first four verses. If you will read along with me. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So let us pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts and, and our minds, illuminate us and encourage us and strengthen us as we endeavor day, to, day by day to live to your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Throughout Bible history, this question has been asked of God's children. It was asked by Moses in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 26 when Moses, we read, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Uh, this question was asked by Joshua. As Joshua gave his farewell address to the nation of Israel in Joshua chapter 24 and verses 14 and 15, we read, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the god of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. 
But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Again, it was asked by Elijah on Mount Carmel when he, when he challenged the, the um, prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 21. We read, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. So tonight, I would like to ask each of us here to consider this question. Are you in or out? Are you in, in other words, are you fully invested? Is your life, are your talents, is your treasure, is every fiber of your being invested in the work and kingdom of the Lord? Are you in? In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30, Jesus reminds us where he says, He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Now, there is no such thing as being kind of in. Someone comes to you and say, Are you in? Well, kind of. Yeah, I'm kind of in. No, no, no. There's no, none of that. That doesn't work with God. Either you are all in or you are not in at all. You can't split your loyalties. You must choose. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, again, Jesus says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't have it both ways. You know the old saying, you can't have your cake and eat it too. God expects us to, he, he doesn't want part of us. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that God could have some of us. God didn't choose us in eternity past and elect us unto salvation so that we would give him part of us. God demands and expects all of us. Every bit of me belongs to God. James, in our text verses we read a moment ago, reminds the believers that you cannot be, uh, you cannot be an, a loyal servant of God and yet be a friend of the world. He reminds us that this world hates God, and they are the enemy of God. And he very directly stated that if we will be a friend of the world, then we will be an enemy of God. We are at enmity, he said, with God. Now, what is enmity? Um, I think, I think prob probably a lot of people not having a proper understanding of what enmity means. They don't feel any, any guilt or, or, or as much guilt, may I say, by befriending this world and by being involved in the things of this world. But let's look at the definition of enmity. The first word I want to use is the word antagonism. Antagonism is a definition of enmity, and it means an expressed feeling of dislike and hostility. So when we're at enmity with God, what we are is we are hostile to God, and we are exhibiting feelings of strong dislike. Also, hostility means a state of deep-seated ill will. So 
That means we, we, we don't seek any, any good for the Lord. We, 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 have this, we have this deep-seated feeling of, of, of disdain, and, and we don't want to see anything good about God, which leads us to ill will. What is ill will? Well, it's a hateful disposition toward another. And when we, when we lend our loyalties, when we give our, our friendships, when we, when we involve ourselves and invest our, our time and our treasure and our talent in things of this world, we are at enmity with God. So take a good look at that definition because when you and I fail in this matter, we are in that position toward God. And that is not a position that the Christian wants to be. It's, it's, tell me, is this the way you feel about God? Do you feel those emotions for God? Do you feel uh, disliking and hostility and deep-seated ill will and hateful disposition? Is that, is that your feelings toward God? Well, let me ask you, is this the testimony you want to have regarding your relationship with God? Now, I would think that we would not want to have this testimony. We would not want to, to have people view us in, as, as being an enemy of God. However, I fear that today that many Christians find themselves in this very position because of their love for this world. Oh, many Christians today say they love God. Uh, and I'm sure that they want to be and maybe even think they are faithful and loyal children of God. But nonetheless, their walk does not equal to their talk. We say we love the Lord, but do we show it in our, in our daily behavior? Some will dishonor God and will absence themselves for church for whatever they deem more necessary than obedience and worship of God. Some will claim to love God and be his faithful child, yet they frequent worldly establishments that promote promiscuity, lasciviousness, and lurid lifestyles. Now, I can promise you this is not popular preaching. But when we claim to be God's children and we can be found involving ourselves in the filth of this world, then how can we possibly justify this? Some claim to love God, yet they harbor bitterness toward a brother or a sister in Christ. They practice profane usages in, in speech and writing. Some claim to love God, yet they are selfish and self-serving. They have little to no compassion or concern for other believers. And in all of this, we show ourselves to be out of fellowship with God and not in fellowship with God. Now, I realize that primarily tonight I'm speaking to the choir. Uh, people who, who bring themselves, get themselves out on Wednesday night and come to a midweek service like this, that's, that, that's people that um, this is evidence that you have a true desire to be in regarding your fellowship with God. However, 
I do want to remind us tonight of these things. Some things that we too often and too easily forget about. Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? Joshua said, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Elijah said, how long halt ye between two opinions? So tonight, I would like to answer these questions in favor of God. So what do we, the members of Berean Baptist Church, what do we need to do in order to show ourselves true friends of God, in order to show that we are in fellowship with God and not out of fellowship with God? Well, the list would be exhaustive. I mean, I could literally stand here. I could teach a series of lessons on this, uh, probably eight, nine, ten lessons on this, um, but I only have tonight, and you want to go home. So I'm going to just, I'm just going to mention two things tonight that I think are foundational in you and I maintaining a proper fellowship with the Lord, to be in and not out. So first, number one, what do we need to do? Number one, we must concede to God's authority. If you and I will, will show ourselves, if we will demonstrate our loyalties to God, if we will prove ourselves to be in fellowship with God, not out of fellowship with God, if we, will, if we will avoid being at enmity with the Lord, then we must concede to God's authority. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this is a familiar verses. I use them as a matter of fact in my message um, Sunday evening. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, young people, this world will tell you that you have a right to be anything you want to be. Whatever you want to be, you can do it. And the, and the philosophy of our society today is, if it doesn't hurt anybody else, then go ahead and do it. If it feels good, do it. If you want to do it, then you are entitled to do it. And that's what the world will tell you. That's the philosophy of, of this world. But Paul clearly states here that we are not our own. We are purchased. We're a purchased possession. Now, when you buy something, when you, when you spend your own money to buy something, who has the right to determine how and, 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 and what that thing is used for? Who has the authority over that? Anybody know? You do. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Imagine Paul go out and buy himself a, a brand new power saw. And I come over and say, hey, give me that power saw. I need it. I don't have a right to do that, do I? I don't have a right to take his, his power saw and and, and, and go inside his house and cut his table in half and say, man, this thing is sharp. I can't do that. That's his power. So he, he purchased it. He bought it. And he has the right to determine how it's used and what it does. Now, if we can understand that, why can't we understand that we have no right over ourselves? 
Why can't we understand that we belong to God? We are his, and he tells us what to do, and we obey him. We must concede, and, and by, when I say concede, I mean we must relinquish control to God and his authority to govern our life. We are his purchased possessions. And I am sorry, but you don't have the right to do whatever you want to do tonight. God purchased you with his own blood, and he alone has the right to tell us what we can and cannot do. And he has done just that in his word. It is wrong for a believer to live a life of revelry. It is wrong for a believer to live a life in indulgence of fleshly pleasures. And when we deny God's authority over our life, then we live at enmity with him. And we deserve to face the wrath of God. And I'm not talking about legalism tonight. I'm not talking about rules and standards of of behavior to make you holy or righteous. I'm talking about obligation to God. We have no right to decide what we do and how we do it and when we do it. We must adhere to the principles and the tenets of God. Over the past 32 years I've been a Christian... I've, I've, I've absenced myself from many things. Not because they're necessarily wrong, but because they're not expedient to the, to the cause of Christ. Paul said, uh, all things are, are, are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Some things, though they may not be wrong, just aren't right. And we shouldn't do them. But I'm humbled tonight by God's love. I'm humbled by his patience and his forgiveness. Even when I don't deserve it, he demonstrates great mercy towards me. And this he does for Jesus' sake, not for my own. In Malachi 3 and verse 6, we read, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You see, tonight Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. And it is for this reason that God forgives us and cleanses us. Not because of us, but because of our intercessor, our mediator, Jesus Christ, because of his righteousness. So tonight, don't get too cocky. You better remember that if it were not for Jesus, the Christ of God, we would all be hellbound tonight. So from this point forward in our life, let us concede to God his authority over us. And let us submit to the Lord in all things. But then not only must we concede God's authority, but tonight I'd like for us to remember this, that we must commit to God's appointment. We must commit to God's Appointment. I'd like for you to take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, just a couple of books forward. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll read beginning at verse number 8. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 8. We read here, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. But be thou partaker 
of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. See, it's interesting. Paul said that we, we shouldn't be ashamed to be found uh, a partaker of the gospel. And that would be in living it and proclaiming it. Verse 9, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. If you and I will, will live our lives and, and will show ourselves to be in fellowship with God and not out of fellowship with God, then we must commit. We must be committed to the Lord. Now, if we are sure of anything tonight, we are sure that God has called us with and for a purpose. There is, there is a reason in our salvation. God did not call us, he did not elect us and call us unto salvation so that we can simply continue to live our lives in and of this world. We, are, we have been called by God to be a peculiar people. We have been called to come out from among them and to be separate. We have been called as ambassadors of Christ. We have been called to, to go forth into this world and, and, and proclaim the, the, the living gospel of Jesus Christ. We are the light in a dark world. And certainly we have each been appointed to these tasks and these purposes. In the passage we just read, Paul stated that he was appointed. And this appointment is from God. And each of us also tonight have been called and appointed to the many tasks of laboring in the local church and laboring to further the gospel in the kingdom of God. Now, I am not going to attempt tonight to cite all the many tasks and appointments that we, we could be involved in and we could find in Scripture. However, I do wish tonight to stress the importance of our commitment to these tasks. Now, by definition, to commit is to give the control of our actions to the power and authority of another. In other words, we wholeheartedly follow the directions given us by God. We commit to follow his course for our life, regardless of our own plans, regardless of our own hopes, and regardless of our own desires. We commit to follow his course for our life. You parents with with children or are you grandparents with grandchildren the greatest thing you can do for your child is to stress to them the importance 
of submitting themselves to following God's direction for their life. Too many parents interfere in this area, and and too often children go off and, and chase after careers, money, popularity, fame, all these things. As a parent raising my children, certainly I wanted to see them succeed. Certainly I wanted them to be to, to, to have a, a good life. But you know what? The best life they can have is the life that God wants them to have. The greatest thing I could do for my children is to remind them to submit their hearts and their minds to God and allow God to tell them what he wants them to do. Now, I've been in the ministry, as I said the other night, 31 years, 7 months. See, it's now... Uh, it's another seven days, so it's 13 days, and, and it's now uh, seven hours and 45 minutes. Let's just say almost 32 years. It's a lot easier to remember. Can I tell you, this, this was not the life I hoped for. Can I tell you that? This, this wasn't the life that I hoped for. This, this life of being in the ministry and, 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 and serving the Lord was not something I desired. 32 years ago, I didn't desire this. This wasn't, this wasn't my hope. This wasn't what I dreamed about doing, what I looked to do. However, once God saved me and I realized that this is what he wanted me to do, I could do nothing less than commit wholeheartedly to fulfill this appointment and do it with, with all the energy I had. The Sunday morning after I got saved, the um, first time I went to church two, two times, two weeks in a row since I'd been about 13, I went back to that little church where I received the Lord, and I walked forward that Sunday morning, and I told Brother Bobby, the pastor there, I said, I want to surrender my life to serve the Lord. And I made God two promises that day. One of those promises was that never again would I allow a man to deceive me concerning spiritual things. And the second promise I made is that if God would would help me and enable me, I would spend the rest of my life telling people about him. And and we need to just commit. Now, I'm not not saying today that every one of you need to commit to a a full-time ministry life. But what I am telling you is that we need to commit to the Lord's will for our lives, whatever that may be. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul states, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk, and that word walk means live, that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, the Bible says that we are called and that we are that we are prophets and priests, doesn't it? We are joint heirs with Christ. We will rule with him in eternity. Are you living worthy of that title? Are you living worthy of the, of the name of the child, as being a child of God? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul writes, that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Are you living a life tonight that is worthy 
and acceptable unto the Lord. Not unto me, not unto the church. Me and the church are, are servants of the Lord. We're to live our lives worthy of God. We're to, we're, to, we're to live our life in such a way that we do not bring shame to God's name, that we do not dishonor the Lord in any way. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Can I tell you this? I have a statement. I want to, I want to tell you this. It's on your answer sheets. The most miserable Christian tonight, whether he knows it or not, is the one outside of God's will for his life. Consider this admonition of Jesus in John chapter 9 and verse 4 where he states, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. The first thing I see in this verse is I see the commitment of Jesus. He was committed to fulfill, as we preach Sunday morning in his statement, it is finished. Jesus was committed to fulfilling God's will for his life. He was committed to, to, to satisfying God's will and fulfilling every purpose of God's will. He was committed to glorifying God in, in his actions. And, and in this verse, we see the commitment of Jesus. He says, I must work. He understood, Jesus understood the urgency of his work. Because he said, the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus wanted, he wants us to understand the urgency in preaching the gospel. The urgency and the imminency in our life. He wants us to understand that the time will come when we will not be able to work. The night cometh, he says. The night of sin, sin in our lives, and the night of the, of the sin sickness of this world. The night of sickness. How many of you are healthy right now? You think? There could be something horrible taking place in our bodies right now we don't even know about. Think of our dear brother, Willie. How many of you remember Willie Brown? We saw Willie in church on Sunday. And he was his usual joyful self. On Wednesday, he was in the hospital. And on Friday, he was with the Lord. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The night of sickness, the night of death. While, while we know these things are certain, we can never know when they will befall us. But we do know this. James tells us in chapter 4, in verses 13 and 15, he states, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. I read this verse years and years and years ago. And it, it, 
it made me shake in my shoes. That I, that I would be so bold and boastful so as to, as, as to suppose that I have another moment of life. And I developed a habit over the years. And people say, all right, see you tomorrow. I'll say, yeah, Lord willing. Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow. And if he's not willing and he takes me home, you take over. How proud, how, how, how filled with pride are we? How arrogant are we to assume that I have tomorrow to do something? So I have another statement for you. And this statement is, the things you will do for God, do today. Tomorrow may never come. If you're, going to, if you're going to do something for the Lord, do it now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Whatever you find your hand to do, Solomon said, do it with thy might. Don't wait till tomorrow. You need to straighten out something in your children's life. Don't wait till tomorrow. They may not have a tomorrow. And you may not have a tomorrow. The things we're going to do, let us do them today. Do them now. We must learn to commit. We must be committed to God. So, are you in or out? Only you can answer that question. Tonight, as as you sit here, are you in fellowship with God? Remember, John said, if we, if we say we have fellowship with God and live in darkness, we lie. Are we in fellowship? Are you in or are you out? If you're out, don't leave here tonight without getting that right with the Lord. Make sure you learn to concede to God's authority and make sure you learn to commit to God's appointment. Remember what Joshua said. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua made it real clear where he stood. What about you tonight? Where do you stand? Where do you stand in your fellowship with God? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. And Lord, we just ask that you would strengthen us tonight. All these, all these verses we read, all these things we talked about in our flesh... We cannot do these things. We will fail. As Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And Lord, we understand and realize that it is all by you and all of you. So Lord, tonight we concede to your authority. We, we do not rebel against you. We do not stand here and, and, and we do not align ourselves opposite of, you, of your camp. We, we do not love this world and we do not befriend this world. And then, Lord, we tonight pledge to commit our hearts and our minds and our lives to fellowship and glorifying you. Thank you for this time now. We ask you to bless it and use it to your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, folks.